Welcome to episode three of the Romantic About Baseball podcast. My name is Adam McKinnon. I am your host, and my co-host, as always, is Jim Passon Jr. Jim, what's happening, brother? Oh, just watching some baseball, getting through game one of uh, the Dodgers and uh, LDS with the Nationals. Um, enjoying a good day. Well, that's good. You're having a better day than me and all of my Atlanta Braves fandom base after that uh, debauchery, but we will, I'm sure that will be covered in due time uh, for us. Yeah, it's a rough game. That's uh, it was it was a uh, good for a little while, and then got a little bit terrible there, and then got you just close enough to break your heart one more time. It was a great so, game from a base baseball fan's view, though. Yeah, so really just uh, another day in the life of an Atlanta yeah. uh, postseason, <laughs> but you know, such is the way of the world. Um, you would know best. You yeah. would know best. <laughs> I, I am conditioned to disappointment and, and, and things of the sort. So, uh, yeah, just uh, wanted to uh, basically, uh, this is our third episode, and uh, we wanted to figure out how we got here. So, uh, first things first, some news and notes. Uh, the National League wildcard game and the American League wildcard game already completed. In the National League, the Washington Nationals defeated the Brewers uh, 4-3 thanks to Juan Soto's heroics. Uh, your thoughts on the National League wildcard game? Great game, great game. Uh, more games like that. Let's keep the postseason rolling like that. The uh, crowd was into it. Great energy. Um, yeah, it was uh, uh, edge-of-your-seat entertainment. That's the way the postseason uh, should always be for me. I really enjoyed that game. Um, I feel sorry for uh, uh, Grisham on the Soto yeah. <laughs> uh, base hit out in the right field. I feel sorry for that kid. Um, you know, every little way. league coach in the world is going to use that as like B-roll footage. Like, this is why you keep the ball in front of your body. This is it. This is it. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad I don't have a stake in that game as a, as a fan. Uh, and yeah, um, it was an amazing finish. It was uh, definitely worth the worth the price of admission, I would believe, for for anybody that stayed up and and watched that game. I agree with you. And you know, I've you had picked though, and and I think I did uh, go on record as saying this. I would have thought the American League game would have brought that level of excitement, and uh, instead, uh, it was kind of a dud, man. In terms of elimination games. Um, you know, the final score five to one, Yandy Diaz, uh, two home runs after, you know, some, you know, leading off no less after, uh, I believe it was a foot injury. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, the two great, you know, two elite bullpens matching up with each other and just didn't, it just didn't pan out the way that I thought it would, you know? Yeah. Diaz really sucked the life right out of that stadium right off the bat. It just, uh, never seemed to recover and and just the way the Rays just 
they would always um, make sure that they kept the the A's from not stringing hits together. It was a a great great performance by them. That's for sure. I can't but, help but wonder if that brand of baseball is it, it, you know should the Rays really get some downhill momentum. <laughs> it, it it's not the sexiest version. No, it's but a, it works. It is a boring version. It's a very analytical version of baseball that they play there. That's for sure. So. Uh, just so you guys know, we are taping this. It's about 11 o'clock uh, Eastern time on Thursday. As we alluded to earlier, uh, the Braves have already lost 7-6 uh, to six to the Cardinals in um, probably one of the more poorly played postseason games I've watched. And I've watched a fair amount of postseason baseball, and that's probably – one of the between the foul lines the game was played pretty poorly um you know most believe it or not most of the runs coming on errors defensive miscues base running mistakes you know those were really the turning points of the games of the game rather um the nationals and dodgers are going at it right now uh the dodgers leading two to nothing over the nationals uh, with Patrick Corbin having a tough first inning, uh, four walks in the first Oof. inning. So, you know, not, uh, you know, the whole thing with them was the starting pitching. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but outside of the foul lines, uh, some offseason no- notes. Um, the uh, It seems the coaching carousel has already begun. We've seen some changes, resignations, retirements. Bruce, Bruce Bochy uh, effectively retired. Um, he's been, there's some very loose rumors to him going to San Diego. I don't buy it. Jim, what do you think? Uh, I'm available. Um, I could probably go coach somewhere. I wouldn't (laughs) mind doing that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of open positions out there right now. Um, it's, um, it's a be curious to see the, the headliner that everybody's watching out for with Joe Madden. Right. breaking away from the Cubs and uh, where he's going to go. Um, rumors have it the Angels is is the likely landing spot for him, but it's really early. I don't I don't know if the I don't know if I'd be willing to pencil that in quite yet. What do you, you think? Well, you know, you brought up probably the the point that I can't shake, which was Joe Madden, manager Kansas City Royals. I yes. I, I know it's like a long shot, but but man, would that not be cool? Why not, man? Madden is the only guy alive right now that's ever taken the the Cubs to the World Series. Everybody else that was long before then, they're passed away. He's the only guy alive that's taken the Rays to the World Series. Right. He wouldn't. He wouldn't be the only guy alive to take the Royals to the World Series. But he I was the that... coach of one of the most exciting regular season games in recent memory, 2011, last game of the season. You know, Evan Longoria. I mean. I could, I would buy that, man. That's, you know, like you were saying, the the speed, the youth. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna end up. Uh, it's it's a team with all sorts of uh, of advantages for a, a manager like Madden, who's a little bit loose with the book. Um, so you can have your speed with uh, Mondesi. You can have a great hitting catcher behind the plate with Perez with him. Uh, Whit Merrifield's got a couple. More more years left on his deal. Uh, Jorge Soler, uh, blasting dingers, uh, is playing in a in a contract year. It's going to be his final year next year on his uh, 
really young age signing a nine-year 30 million dollar deal that he did when he was a kid um so after seeing what he did this year i think it'll be amazing to see what he could possibly do in uh in a walk year and then uh it, the the Royals just don't have a bunch of money committed. There's a few guys coming back next year that are already on the books, but when you look past 2020 and you look into 2021, the Royals only have uh, two and three quarters million dollars committed to payroll right now. They've got Merrifield's uh, contract that's in 2021. Everything else will be uh, arbitration uh, control right. players that they got right now. So there's a lot of flexibility if the Royals want to take off and and start spending some money and try doing something with the youth coming up through the minors and build it around a Madden. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see it. I agree with you. I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, the Royals are unlike, you know, unlike the organizations like the White Sox or the Marlins, I feel like the Royals are going to be one of those teams that bottom out very quickly and then ascend very quickly too. Um, yeah. I don't see another you know, barring a couple of, you know, they're really just a couple of pitchers away from not being a hundred loss team. And then from there, their, their, um, sort of development of Mondesi, a full year of Mondesi. They're another year of Merrifield. They're, you know, Hunter Dozier finding his stroke a little bit. They're just a couple of things away from being like, really like a 80 loss team. I mean, they're not yep. that far away. And you put Joe Madden, a guy that has a proven track record of, reigning young talent working with them i don't I, I mean the angels are the safe pick but i man i can't shake ever since you brought it up in like one of our production meetings i can't help but think how flipping cool it'd be a great division for him i mean it's the it's al central it almost seems like it's wide open anymore so uh i don't know if the indians are gonna maintain any dominance within that division it doesn't feel like they're grasping a hold of it um minnesota is um, they look good but you know how long will it last so i think it's a good situation i, I agree know. with you um the other the other interesting um you know, uh, coaching situation is who's going to replace Bruce Bochy over in San Francisco. Um, the uh, big, th- the favorite seems to be the bench coach, uh, Hensley Mullins. Uh, he was the bench coach for the last couple of years. He kind of knows the way of the boat, so to speak. Yeah. Um, he speaks, and the thing that I found most intriguing, doing a little bit of research on him, he speaks five languages, including Japanese and Spanish. That's amazing. Yeah. First of all, like just an accomplishment in and of itself. But now Mm -hmm. you're in the Bay Area and you speak Japanese and Spanish. Yeah. I can't even finish learning half of Spanish. That's amazing. That's an amazing (laughs) talent in itself. If it weren't for the restaurant industry, I could speak no Spanish. Yeah. And and I got to be honest with you. I am. um, I, I like that. Like what a marketing move. In a way, and not to be too too sort of callous about it, but it's it's true. You're talking about a young generation of Asian and Latin talent attracting them, you know, in the international free agent pool, things like that. And you've got a manager that speaks not, you know, not just your language, but the other guy's language too. That's uh, that would be a very um, 
is prudent, maybe prudence the right word. It would be a prudent move by the Giants as a team who are going to look to young talent to build a, build up to be a contender again. Yeah, it could be a good selling point for him to move somebody like that into that position. Yeah, I could see that. Sure. Um, I'm thinking now that Bochi is gone, I think what is happening for him is that he ends up on MLB Network and Joe Girardi ends up where he used to be. They just switch spots. Okay. All right. You know, it, uh, it, it, I didn't think about that until, it, again, I was doing a little bit of last minute research today and I thought, you know, Girardi is sort of the name that has emerged like a, as a possibility. I'd love to see Bochi on network TV. I think he's just one of those guys that, you know, it is just so he, he reminds me of like, if there was an antithesis to Casey Stengel, he's like our modern day Casey Stengel, but with half the vocabulary, <laughs> he, he, awesome. he, he has so many like little isms that he says he's so blunt and to the point, but at the same time, he's just so, you know, it's such an amiable guy. Yeah, very so. loved. And it's you can see around just uh, the way the reporters that are around him talk about him all the year this year, especially um, covering his final season there in San Francisco. So uh, you know, you know those type of people, the relationships they have to have and the tough questions they have to ask them, especially of a team that's been struggling lately and stuff. For him to be able to hold a relationship like that, he seems like a very personal guy, somebody that you can really love. And I know when I hear him doing interviews and whatnot, he he, he catches my attention. He's interesting as can be. So I think, yeah, I throw him on TV. Keep him in front of me. I enjoy it. Why not? Yeah, I mean, he he's the type of guy I would, I would love to uh, talk baseball with him. Yeah, and, and that's and that's the guy you there, want. But... Yeah, that's the guy you want on TV, right? You want the guy who you want to just talk baseball with. Yep, and then that'll get Girardi a job back where he wanted to be anyway. I don't think he ever wanted to stop managing. I think the the Yankees forced that hand out of him a couple of years ago. So I I, I think, think that's fair. So if he doesn't end up in in San Francisco, maybe he ends up somewhere else. I'm not sure, but yeah, just get Bochi a spot. All right. Yeah, no, I agree with you. We'll have to keep an eye on that. So, um, yeah, other than that, it's really just all postseason. Uh, we're going to take a uh, quick break, and we're going to come back. And, and uh, Jim, you're going to give us a little something to think about. So uh, we'll be right back. And we're back. Thanks for thanks for sticking with us, uh, Jim. Enlighten my world with your with the with the stat spotlight. Ah, uh, well, uh, it's postseason baseball, right? So mm -hmm. uh, I decided that uh, doing a little something, looking around in the postseason numbers to see if there was anything interesting to talk about that's happened in the past that may be relatable today. Um, and as I was going along, uh, I, I like designated hitters. Uh, I think they should be in both leagues. But uh, I was uh, doing some research on designated hitters, and I come across uh, on accident by by entering a, a filter in my search incorrectly. And next thing you know, I'm looking for uh, designated hitters that have uh, hit a home run in, in a National League ballpark. And... Uh, shocker to me there was one right and hmm. uh and that's uh when i kind of found what i wanted to talk about here uh the dh came around 1973 the dh rule uh from 1973 to 75 
they didn't have the DH except for in the ALCS, which was all you had, right? You had the American League East and the American League West, so they only played in the ALCS back in 73. Uh, so 73 through 75, they'd play with a DH in the ALCS. The NL would do its usual thing. And then starting in 1976, for the next decade, um, they altered every year on if there would be a DH in the World Series. And it wouldn't just be like we know of it today, where if the home team is, is the National League, well, then you use the pitcher. You don't use the DH. Um, back in those days, in 76 through uh, 1985, um, in, in the even years, they would use a DH every game. And in the odd years during that stretch, they wouldn't use a DH at all. It didn't matter if you were in an AL ballpark or an NL ballpark. So... Uh, I found that interesting that that was the way the DH was handled, you know, versus just how we all understand. Well, 1973, the DH came in the DH was in the American League, nothing in the National League. Ta-da! We know that information. It's just for me, I've never really understood that they actually had a different way of handling the DH through the postseason long before where we got to today, where if it's an NL park, no DH. If it's an AL park, both teams get a DH. It's amazing. Um, it makes you think about ro- postseason roster construction in those days. Yeah, yeah, how they had to deal with it for the first time and get those changes made, right? So it just amazed me that I thought that it would probably would have just been immediately in 1973 when you got to the postseason. If the NL team was at home, no DH. If the AL team was, there would be a DH, but it wasn't like that yet. So um, that kind of kind of threw, threw me for a, a loop. So, um but while I was doing my research, I did find the only American League DH that's ever hit a home run in a National League ballpark during the postseason, and that ends up being none other than Reggie Jackson. Mr. October. Yeah, he actually did it twice, both in the 1978 World Series. He did it in the uh, first game of the World Series and the sixth game of the World Series at Dodger Stadium. And then there was only one other DH that's actually hit a home run in a National League park during the postseason, and uh, that was Kurt Bavacqua uh, with the San Diego Padres during of the course. 84 series. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows that one. Yeah, right? so, Kurt Bavacqua. So yeah, so we only got Kurt Bavacqua is the only National League DH to hit a home run in a National League ballpark uh, during the postseason. So I I thought those were pretty neat, and that was pretty interesting. So uh, yeah, I just wanted to make. I wanted to share that with you all today. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome, actually. Now, do you think, it, what made me think when we talked about it, like, you know, I think of guys like Reggie Jackson, you know, that really uh, sort of embodied the flamboyant DH, really made you think about the position. Do you think, do, do you think this is something we could see in the future? Like, you know, in sort of the universal, you know, there's talk about the universal DH coming to the National League. Um what what do you do? You, are you a DH guy? I am definitely a DH guy. I believe that it's the the way that it, uh, to be the most entertaining. Right. So uh, pitchers just it it gets painful that the the pitcher can really kill a kill an inning. It just changes how the game's played too much for me compared to the way the AL's doing it. And then when the World Series and interleague games happen, um, it seems like the AL's got a huge advantage when it's a DH on their end because they're used to it. They've already got their strategies already in place. They do it all the time. And I just feel like it's maybe a little bit of unfair advantage in the, in favor of the AL when it's a time when both teams have a DH because National League rosters, they just don't build them the same just because of it. So I, I agree. Think, 
I think you make them equal, and I think if you're going to make them equal, I think the only way to make them equal is to give them both DHs because I don't think anybody's going to ever be able to convince me that the American League would actually go back to the pitcher hitting. No, there's there's no way. And you know what, guys? We can put it to rest. Bartolo Colon has retired. The poetry and motion of watching that man hit the ball is over. We can move on. I feel like yeah. it's safe now for the National League to put the DH in. Bartolo's retired. Yep. Yeah, we're we're ready to move on, right? Uh, yeah, we might miss out on a couple more Bumgarner ones, but yeah. You know we'll what? Just, right. just put the just put the guy in left field. Let's call it a day. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Crinky's in the American League now, so we're good. Yeah, let's get rid of it. Yeah. All right. Well, that is that's our that's our uh, our stat uh, our our Jim Passon uh, stat spotlight. So uh, we're gonna take another quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to uh, take a further uh, look at the uh, divisional series. And, um, you know, do something equally silly like pick our MVPs for series that uh, haven't been played yet. And welcome back. Thanks for hanging with us. Um, Jim, what's the score, brother? Uh, it's still 2 nothing. Uh Runners on the corner, bottom of the seventh. Um, Dodgers are threatening uh, to open it up just a little bit more. But uh, I don't know. Um, the, the man of my that makes me so happy is on the mound for the Nationals. It's Fernando Rodney. Yeah. <laughs> the ageless nice. wonder. It's always nice to have one guy still playing baseball that's older than you. Makes you feel like maybe you still have a chance to get back in the league. So I'm thinking I still got a shot. But if he retires and I got a I got a gig, right? I would now I would be the oldest guy in the league. So he's the only one left. You I know, need him to stick around. I wonder if I wonder if he's like in a few years from now we're gonna blink and realize, oh wait, is Fernando Rodney our modern day Satchel Page? <laughs> right <laughs> like nobody really knows a ton about him other than he did the goofy thing for a while and like i i hope he goes totally off his rocker and just starts like saying weird things and just i i'm i'm really hoping for a satchel page style renaissance for fernando rodney later <laughs> in his career that'd um, be awesome yeah he'll be pitching awesome. on his aarp He'll he'll, yeah. he'll he'll have to like take less than league minimum to collect his social security. Yeah, he'll already be collecting social security. Like, no, nah, I can't work full time. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. His hat will still be sideways. Yes, yes, um, I'm I'm in for that. I'll take that. Give me Fernando Rodney till 2045. So <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna outlive all of us. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, our main story tonight is just talking about what we're talking about right now, uh, you know, the divisional series. Um, we've got some interesting matchups uh, now that we've advanced through the wild card. Uh, for me, uh, the, I want to cover the National League first, and we'll cover the game that has completed for the evening. That's Atlanta and St. Louis, um, of course. Uh, you know, I'll just briefly, uh, for the listeners here, run over the notes I wrote this morning in the coffee shop as I was preparing for this. Uh, the big news for me was game one is a must win. The bullpen has to perform. 
And why is there no Julio Tehran on this roster? Okay. Uh, yep, I'm, I'm just going to let that put that out there to the ethos. I promise this was written before what just happened. Um, you know, for me on the other side of the ball, I was, you know, the um, I looked at the pitching match matchups right now. You got Keiko Fulte Soroka going for Atlanta in games one, two, and three. Um, Michaelis Flaherty, and then as of this morning, it was still to be announced for their third starter. And, uh, you know, the lineup lives and dies with, uh, you know, in St. Louis, the lineup lives and dies with Azona and uh, Goldschmidt. Uh, you know, this is a team with a 95 run uh, weighted runs created plus. That's 16th and the far lowest among playoff teams. And uh, my big thing was you lose Flaherty's game, you lose the series. I don't yeah. know about that now. So, uh, Jim, what are your thoughts on Atlanta and St. Louis? Yeah, that's tough, right? I was the same boat. If I was trying to figure out what the key was for Atlanta, I mean, my notes from before this all went down was the bullpen. The bullpen, the bullpen, because if they have to get into that bullpen early, they're probably in trouble. It's going to be hard for them to get four to five innings out of that bullpen and get away unscathed against a team like St. Louis. And lo and behold, today proved it long before we could get to this point of our podcast. Um but yeah, it, that to me was the most important. Um, and then uh, as the game played along, uh, somewhat what I was looking at to be St. Louis's key to victory is uh, is Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, I think as Paul Goldschmidt goes, the Cardinals go. Yeah. Um, he's such an important piece in the middle of that lineup. Gold glove defense over at first base. Uh, he's just so important to him if he catches fire uh this st louis team is going to be it's going to be a tough team to beat they just they play hard and uh so i believe from what i saw today that goldschmidt's kept keeping the fire that he got in september the second half of the season um and he could be dangerous uh he's uh he's the one that i would fear the most if i was the braves going forward if the braves can't uh if they can't hold him down i don't know if they can do anything to the rest of to flaherty to to keep up or maybe yeah. I believe Wainwright might be starting the third game and it might be a quick series if, if they don't figure it out quick tomorrow which would really be you know it's one thing last year the Braves entered the world uh, excuse me the uh, postseason as uh, you know just happy to be there you know they were now they're the favorites and yeah. this is a new role for them and the you know for me the biggest thing about this game on both sides is that the game was really decided by mistakes, and that's going to continue to be a theme. The Cardinals are not a good defensive team, and that's going and that could be a theme. On the other side of the coin, the Braves are not a their bullpen is just so bad, and it does not help that Chris Martin comes out to pitch and doesn't even throw a pitch. He actually throw gets injured during his warmups and has to leave the game, which puts Luke Jackson in there. And I'm telling you, anyone who's watched the Braves game this season knows if Luke Jackson is your backup option, you might as well have gone with your third string option. Yeah. It's not going to be. Yeah. It's, it's not a good setting. So um, I'd be interested to see if the Braves can collect themselves. There's a lot of negative press about this team going into game one with uh, Snitker leaving Tehran off the roster with Acuna dogging it up the line again. Um, you know, it, with the bullpen collapse, 
you you can't help but wonder you know look it was this the reality check they kind of coasted through the last couple weeks of the season is this you know if they don't win game two which they put themselves in position they have to beat jack flaherty this year i think you're right this season this series could i thought it was going to be a quick series anyway but it could go the other direction very quickly (laughs) Yeah, I had the Braves in five coming into it, and now it just feels like it, that's the only way that the Braves could win this is in five. And if they don't win it in five, yeah, it can almost feels like it could go three-zip the other way real quick with mm-hmm. Flaherty on the mound tomorrow. Um, they could be walking out of Atlanta up 2 nothing heading home, and that might just take down a, a team that might be – you know, knocked out already before they get there at that point. If they, I, I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe that, that Atlanta has a, a chance if they can't pick up the game tomorrow. I agree with you. I think, I think that uh, when you, uh, tomorrow should be a must win for Atlanta. Yep. It, it has to be, it has to be, it has to be. If you don't win tomorrow, I agree with you. I had the Braves in four and um, I think it flips on its ear pretty quickly. I think Soroka can still win his game, but that's it's a it's too little, too late at that point. Yep. Um, so uh, I would say, yeah, uh, if it's me, I think the the person that that makes or breaks that series for Atlanta is going to be Marquez. So yeah. I think uh, a guy like that who is uh, a veteran he can he can lead him and uh amazing with the bat he's the type of guy i think that can can help flip it around on that offensive side for him yeah he well he's the he's the rally he, he's the rally guy he's the guy i don't you know you don't want a guy that's going to go up and swing for the fences every at bat he's the guy that's going to put the ball in play he's going to play solid defense in the outfield he's not going to hurt you he's not going to put together a bad at bat yeah. So, you know, if I'm down to my last out, if I'm down to my last strike, if I am, he's typically the guy I want to put up there. Just get me to the rest. Keep the game going. Give me uh, an illusion of hope here. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's such an intelligent hitter. Yeah, if you're down two with two outs in the ninth, he's the kind of guy that's doing whatever he can just to get on. He knows his run. He can't hit the ball far enough to, to tie the game. So, he's yeah. that type of hitter. He's the type that. Oakland could have used last night when they were swinging for the fences down by four at the end of that game. And it was like, you need, need base runners and then you can swing for the fences. Right. But, exactly. Uh, they could, they couldn't touch the ball on Tampa Bay yesterday, but somebody like Mark Akis is the type of guy who would make sure that he's, he's, he's getting the ball in play. He's not going to just go up there, hack and, and uh, take a strikeout. Um, today was probably not the perfect day for me to say that, but uh, yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah. It, it, it reputation, it's, you know, sample size, right? Sample size, sample size, sample size. Yeah. Uh, yeah so the series first, that, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. The first game's over. It's the uh, jitter's gone. It's time to get at it. Right. I think if that the Braves can show up, they can get this still. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. So uh, the other series that's happening right now in the national league, the Dodgers versus the nationals. Um, I, I don't – this is another series I kind of feel I, – I just be straight with you. The Dodgers just outclass the Nationals. Um, they can't run Strasburg out for relief, so that bullpen becomes an issue. Um, if Trey Turner doesn't get on base – I mean, the only thing that I think even gives them a chance to beat the Dodgers is if Trey Turner gets on base consistently and just makes magic happen. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I agree. Uh, for the Nationals, I see the speed being the factor for them if they can make it happen. Um, getting their outfielders, right, that outfield group that they got of Eaton, uh, Robles, and Soto, get them on with Turner, just clog up the base pass with just annoying runners, right? Right. Um, then that would be something that could probably get the Dodgers pitching a little bit off tilt and maybe expose the Dodgers fielding a little bit, especially on the infield side. Right. Um, and so I think those are the keys for me is they've just, they've got to get on base and just drive them nuts, have people like Soto just taking pitch after pitch and getting through those starting pitchers for the Dodgers and getting to the bullpen on that side. And I think that's their best chance to, to have some success. In this they have series. to play a brand of baseball. They're not used to playing. Um, you know, and, and for me, it's, it, I agree with you, you know, what's, what I found most interesting is that the Dodgers have the lowest swing percentage in base, uh, excuse me, the 27th lowest swing percentage in baseball. So, oh, wow. you know, you match that up against a strong rotation. Okay. Maybe that could go the other way that could, that could hurt you, but that also means you're running up pitch counts. That tells me that you're getting to this bullpen. So if there is a team equipped to run your starters out of the game, it's the Dodgers. And if there's one team you don't want your starter out of the game, it's the Nationals. So to me, it's just a perfect storm. I had to like really think to come up with keys for the dot for the Dodgers to um, win the series other than just being themselves. Yeah, right. It, it just just go out there and keep doing you. You're right. fine. Yeah, it's uh, it it seems like that should be the key. Yeah, for for me, it's gonna be um, uh, limiting the the bullpen innings on their side too. Just like you'd want to limit it for Washington or Atlanta, I think the Dodgers, yeah, they're okay in the bullpen. They're pretty good, but I think that if you can just keep those numbers down, that means your starting pitching is doing well, and uh, and success is around the corner for him everybody's bullpen in the national league is bad we can just establish that it sure feels like it yeah. anyway right it's yeah. like the where the top five bullpens probably aren't in the playoffs or something to that extent it feels like it's just yeah probably out, outside of the twins i think you're right yeah um so speaking of the twins uh twins yankees um so for me this is probably this is the series that i am probably watching I might be watching Houston Tampa Bay more but uh, I'm intrigued by this for historical reasons because the Yankees just just own the 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 twins um, I think the last playoff game when the twins have was 15 years ago and they against the Yankees and they still lost the series so like I think I I wrote you tweeted something about this and I wrote a piece uh, independently of each other. Uh, for me, it was the Twins. Can they shake the ghosts of Yankees past? Um, yeah. And but and I tell you, if there was ever a team to do it, this is the incarnation of the Twins to do it. Yeah, these bashing Twins. Um, yeah, hustle players at the same time. Um, they they look like a team. They they play like a team. Uh, it looks like a fun fun dugout to be in. Um, right. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a, a really good series. I really don't. I mean, I'm not expecting the Twins to beat the Yankees to take this series, and maybe that continues to head in the wrong direction for the Twins. But it's uh, I think it's going to be an exciting one. I right. really really feel it's going to be a a lot of long balls with the two teams that 
you know, hit the most home runs in history in a season playing against each other. So uh, if anybody's starting pitching can show up and keep those numbers down, um, that could be the key to the series for either team to be able to win. Just try to keep the ball in the ballpark. And uh, talking about if any talking about the home runs, this is what got me is is with the twins. So the Yankees starters, 1.76 home runs per nine. That's the third highest. Their relievers, 1.30 home runs per nine. That's 16th. So my theory is between Boone having to manage this bullpen, um, if the Twins are winning by the fourth inning, I mean, you know, it's hard to, uh, you just can't give them extra outs. Yeah, yeah, you know. it's going to be real difficult. Um, I mean, there's not too many bullpens that I can I feel are longer than the Yankees. Um, they just have a lot of depth, a lot of solid depth in there. Um, when they when they don't have to use the Luis Cessas of the world, when they just go in there and they pound with their guys, they get Green in there, they get Odovino in there, they get Britton in there, they get Chapman in there. Gosh, we could use Batances in there too. Right. But uh, when they just that core out there there's hardly any relief staffs better than that so if, if they can only have to pitch four out of nine innings every other game um that tells me yeah you get one if you can get a decent start out of a starting pitcher i feel like the yankees are set but yeah if they get into trouble three four innings into it they're gonna have to bash their way out of it like they do with everybody else and the problem is that they're bashing with a team that knows how to bash right so and i wonder too like when they're not bashing you know my my key for new york one of my keys for new york was uh they got to challenge the twins defense you know the twins have one of the worst are the one of the worst defensive teams in baseball so it may be not so much the 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 balls that go over the fence i wonder if the challenge is going to be the balls that don't Hmm. how do they handle that and how do the Yankees, you know, how do they counter each other? I got you. Yeah, I never even thought about it at an angle like that. No. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'd be curious because the Yankees, they've been playing fairly solid defense this year. Yeah, we're Minnesota. Yeah, a little rough around the edges, I guess, would be a nice way to put it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that could be a game changer because uh, in a series like this, um, that feels like the home run, the long ball is going to be very decisive. It can be really decisive if those uh, long balls that were being given up aren't solo shots anymore. They're two-run shots right. or three-run shots that uh, for innings that have been extended. Well, yeah, the Yankees don't a... walk a lot of guys either. So I, I'd be mm-hmm. interested to see, you know, this this is one of those series that I think, yeah, you're right. I think you're totally right. It's going to come down to who puts the ball over the fence in terms of, you know, the to the naked eye, so to speak. But I think the real series is going to be decided in the middle innings uh, on balls on the ground and pitching matchups because Boone has to manage that bullpen and Baldelli's got to put his defense in the right positions. So uh, I'll be interested to see that. But the um, the real series I'm watching... That's uh, that's Houston and Tampa Bay. And if for nothing else, I, I am a nerd. I love good pitching. That is my cat chipper in the background, by the way. Um, the uh, For me, it's Houston. The, the pitching matchups alone in this, it, it, this, is, this is like 
a saber. I hope Petriello and like those guys are doing the stat cast through all this series. Yeah, I wish they would. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if they even get any more games. Do they? I, I don't know if they do, but I, I'm gonna. I hope there's some sort yeah. of petition. I mean, somebody call change.org and get a p- oh. petition going for that. Um, so for for that series, for me, if if I'm in if I'm in AJ Hinch's ear, like they've got to score early and often. They're the better team. Like Houston's the better team, top to bottom. It's not even close in some regards. Other than the bullpen, it's not close. Yeah. But I'm telling you, Tampa Bay intrigues the hell out of me matching up against the Astros. They just really do. And I and I don't even know. Maybe you can help me with this. I don't have a tangible way to explain why. But if there is a sneaky like come out of nowhere team Tampa Bay seems to be that team. Yeah. It's a team that everybody doubts all the time. Right. It's uh, they, they can't, they can't get there. Not in the division that they play. in. They're doubted there. Uh, came down to the end of the season. It was like, okay, Oakland, Cleveland, Tampa are all playing for the same two wild card spots. And people just started brushing Tampa to the side. They said, ah, their schedule's too tough. Um, and they okay whatever we're just gonna go out and get it and they even pushed to be able to host that game but they didn't get it and then they get to the wild card game and everybody doubts them again you can't go to oakland and win in oakland not against this team the way they're playing and they went in there and just own that game um doubt them all you want they're they're scrappy they're they're amazing and they're always in the game with that pitching staff always in the game Right. Yeah. I feel like there's going to be a minuscule opening and Tampa Bay's, they're going to have to do, they're going to have to do the little things. They're going to have to go from first to third. They're going to have to score on the sacrifice fly. They're going to have to bunt. They're going to have to, I feel like that's a team that it, it could catch the Giants sleeping. You know, Minnesota, New York, fairly evenly matched. I think Atlanta's a better team than St. Louis, but you could always make a case for St. Louis. They're not terrible at anything, you know? Um, you know, with, uh, Washington and Los Angeles, I mean, I feel like that's a series where Los Angeles, you know, like I said earlier, does outclass the nationals, but you can't, the nationals have just enough talent to be interesting. Um, the Rays are and the Astros. The disparity to me is just so obvious, but yet I can't. I can't help but think this goes five games. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I really do. I think with that, with the Rays um, getting Glasnow back, getting Snell back, I think it changes who they've been all season, and it only changes it for the better. Um, they they're just getting stronger. Uh, they played in, in the American League East, and they led all of Major League Baseball in home runs allowed with the fewest. Right? It was. Right. It's amazing. And I mean, that includes all the National League teams. That's all the pitchers pitch, hitting in the National League. They still gave up less home runs than any team in the American League or the National League this year. Something always happens for them because they're always in the game. And I, I, I don't expect Houston to, to sit there and, and stomp on him. I expect these games to be 5 4. Eight seven, just weird close games, and uh, the Rays will just be pesky. And uh, right. if Houston doesn't continue to just be Houston, yeah, this team's dangerous that they're playing against. 
Right. No, I, I agree with you. I, I kind of feel like, you know, it's almost like March Madness, right? Who's the 16-1 matchup that, that's going to intrigue everyone? I feel like this is it. I feel like this is our David Goliath where David really has a shot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, David um, brought the right weapon to the, to the, they, the battle. They did. They did. So, um, all right. So let's, uh, let's, let's get weird. Um, so we've talked about, we've kind of covered each series a little bit. Um, who, uh, what I'd like to get out of you is, you know, we get your MVP and the implying that the MVP is coming from the winning team. Okay. So, gotcha. you know, so first off I'll, I'll run down mine and then I want to hear yours. Okay. Um, All right. I'll, I'll even, I'll even take it a step further a little bit. So I've got Atlanta winning in four. I'm going to stand by my prediction a little bit, despite what I said earlier, cause I'm a classic Atlanta fan. I'm apathetic and, uh, and hard on my team. Um, at the same time. Uh, so I've got Atlanta in four and I've got Ozzy Albies waking up the be- the beast awake, the little beast awakens and uh, becomes the MVP. Uh, I've got the Dodgers sweeping uh, the nationals right out of town. Walker, Walker Bueller. I don't, what's how, am I, how are we looking right now? Is my Walker Bueller MVP pick still somewhat valid? I believe it's still hanging in there pretty good. Um, I think the team as a whole is doing its job, so it's not just Bueller, but it's four nothing now in the in the bottom of the eighth. So. I'll, I'll take it. Um, and uh, the uh, so New York, I've got New York. Um, I've actually got Minnesota beating New York, uh, and I've got Nelson Cruz taking down the hardware. I just interesting. Uh, you know, the guy has over a, a thousand OPS. You know, leading into this, I, I feel like he's the he's the the statesman. He was he. Uh, you know, not many people have postseason experience like Nelson Cruz. You know what I mean? Like, can you yeah. get any lower in, in in terms of a feeling as a player? you know what I mean? Then Nelson Cruz did in 2011, you know? And, and so I feel like that experience only helps. Yes. You know? And so you've got a young team. He's the oldest guy on the team. He's probably, you know, I mean, I, I don't have the stats to back that up, but I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, Nelson Cruz is the oldest guy on the twins, <laughs> you know? And um, so I think he leads them over the Yankees um, and, uh, you know, and that bullpen, I think I'd love to see an Adovito slider just get crushed and, and, and all due respect to the Yankees, but I just love seeing nasty pitches get, get crushed. It's because it's just, it looks so improbable. It just, it's like that slider just has such access and such insane break. And yet, you know, you track it and you put it over the fence. Yeah, it's like David is the bat and Goliath is the ball. Right, right. And then I've got uh, Houston over Tampa Bay, but I've got that one going five games, and I've got Garrett Cole pulling a Madison Bumgarner, or doing something nuts, you know, because that's what Garrett Cole does. Just doing something nuts to, to rack up an MVP. You couldn't talk yourself into getting the Rays into that spot, huh? Uh, it was, you know what, man? It was close. It was so close. But you know what I think it was? I, I think my superficial nature, I could see the Rays winning, but I couldn't pick an MVP because I don't know who the hell I would pick. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's odd. Yeah, that's a tough one. Huh. So, so talk to me. Make me feel less bad. 
All right. Well, uh, I'm uh, I'm on board for the Braves in five to begin with. I'll stick with my my original prediction. Uh, Markakis, my key, one of my keys for the Braves being able to do something on offense. I believe that he's that spark. I believe that if he's gonna if they win it in five, it's because Markakis did something crazy. Bump him up, MVP of that series for me. Love it. So Braves in five. Um, Nats Dodgers. Uh, you know I I. I am not as convinced as you are that this thing is a uh, pretty lopsided. I am, uh, I believe those uh, younger, faster guys on the uh, on the Nats can make the difference for them. I've got the Nats in five games. Uh, I think that if the starting pitching can hold down the Dodgers, they'll be all right. Um, Fair enough. So, unfortunately for me, uh, first game doesn't look like that's going to ring true for me. <laughs> now down. Five nothing since the one minute ago since we last talked about that game. Um, but I got the Nats in five was my prediction to begin with. Uh, give me Juan Soto for my MVP of that series. Oh, okay. The the, and, the Bambino. Yeah, I think if Soto's gonna Soto's gonna basically just wear down pitching it, uh, the way he takes his pitches, works his accounts, uh, and then just the way he fields, the energy he brings. Uh, so that's why I went with him. So yeah. Okay. Uh, Safe bet in my eyes for a Soto MVP if they can somehow pull off that series. Um, Yankees, Twins, there's no chance I'm going to pick the Twins. There's no way. <laughs> I, I, I'd have to, my wife would probably divorce me. Right. Effect. I don't know. I mean, my dad disowned me. I'd be gone, right? I can't do that. I do expect the that Twins. That river runs were, deep. Yeah, I do expect the Twins to match their complete win total record against the Yankees uh, for their oh. entire uh, career. They are two and thirteen against the Yankees. I believe they go two and three in this series, um, and the Yankees take the series. And also, uh, it might be the first time somebody named Mike Musina doesn't lose a game to the Twins for the Yankees in oh. the postseason. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Mike Musina zero and two versus the Twins in the postseason. Every other Yankees pitcher that's gotten a, a victory, 13-0, right? So wow. as long as you're not Mike Mussina, you can beat the Twins. That might change <laughs> since that's, Mussina won't be that, around that for this is, series. That is probably my favorite stat I've ever heard you throw out ever. That, yeah, yeah, for the Hall of Famer that we just put in, right? Yeah, right. He, he, he was the only Yankee pitcher that couldn't beat the Twins. Odd. Um, and the Twins, the, I I also got to add one more thing. They're not going to win game one. If they don't win game one, that would give them 14 straight postseason losses. That would break the tie for the record that they're currently sitting in. Uh, they're tied with the Red Sox, uh, who lost the last two games of the 86 World Series, I heard. I mean, it's probably a rumor. I yeah, know. you know. Yeah. And then they <laughs> lost Asterisk their next... Asterisk unconfirmed. <laughs> yeah. And then they lost their next 11 games after that 86 World Series for 13 straight themselves. So the Twins are at 13 straight right now. I mm. believe they lose the first game of this series, make it 14 straight, new record. Wow. All right, so a little extra predictions in there. I like, I like it. I like I like that we're, this is recorded. I like yeah, it. Yeah, and, but Yankees in five, and quick one. Can you name the uh, – who was the American League pitcher – or the Twins pitcher that last uh, recorded a victory against the Yankees? 
Oh my goodness. Uh oh man. 2004. 2004. What that wasn't uh that was too early for Johan Santana. No, it was right on for Johan Santana. Was Johan it? Santana. Yeah, he's the last uh, Twins pitcher to pick up a victory against the Yankees. Wow. So, okay. A- All right. A- ALDS game 1 2004. So That changeup. Uh, All right, I'm done. I'm done with that one. And then uh yeah, that Houston that Houston Rays series. Yeah, I uh I, yeah, I, I I talked myself into a lot of different things on that one, and uh, and the pitching for Tampa Bay kept always coming up as something that was like they're gonna always be in these games, they're gonna always be in these games, and if Austin Meadows or something can just do a little something, uh, make some magic at the plate, get that offense rolling against that good pitching of Houston, something can happen, and then uh, yeah, then. And I listened to the other guy on the other shoulder, and he's just like, uh, Houston in three. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, Houston in three. George Springer goes nuts. Series is done real quick. They're going to be sitting wow. on the side waiting. Yeah, they're going to be on the side waiting for the Yankees for a while. They'll what get a, nice a despair. Rest, but... See, your, your, your shoulders are pretty broad, man. That yeah. is a huge disparity. I was hoping – see, what I was hoping was you were going to – uh, pick the Rays in five so that one of us on this podcast will like somebody will be Googling who picked the Rays to win. And then by association, you know, you would be the guy like Jim Passan on Romantic About Baseball picked the Rays <laughs> in five. And we look super smart. Look at that. That guy's a genius. Yeah. No, he's going to make the same pick that everybody else is making. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I just can't, it's, I just can't do it, man. And I think there's a lot of people out there. If you were to like off camera, get all these, you know, goober heads over at MLB network and all that, I guarantee you more guys are picking the raise than we think, but nobody wants to do it on record. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's hard to be like, how do you pick that team? You know, when you didn't even expect them to figure out how to get a win off of, you know, Sean Mania in the in the wild card game, and now you got him going up against uh, Cole Verlander and um, Grinky. Grinky. Yeah, yeah. I and, uh, there, there's no easy way out, but at the other end of the coin, I'm like, I don't know, man. It, it, that could be the series that comes back and bites us. Yeah, yeah. I see the Nats bullpen's doing what the Nats bullpen does. Gave up another home run, six nothing now. Ah, well, you know that's uh, at least some things don't change. Yeah, exactly. Some are definitely the same. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm ready for uh, the division series. Is the AL versions to kick off tomorrow? Being an AL guy myself. Um, and me being yeah. an NL guy, I'm already both disappointed and not surprised. So I'm I'm pretty much hanging around my litmus. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, Saturday is going to be one of the greater days that there are in in uh, in baseball. So make sure y'all are are tuned in for that one. You get uh, game two of both the ALDSs, and you get game three of the NLDSs all on the same day. Guaranteed four postseason baseball games on one day. You can't get that guarantee any other time of the or any other day of this year, right? It might happen again, but it's it's no guarantee that it will happen. I don't so, I don't care um, if you win, you lose. If you're the Braves and haven't won a division series uh, since 2001, if you're the Yankees and have 26 world titles, if you're the Rays, 27. If you're the Rays and you're just happy to be there, I don't care who you are. There's nothing better than postseason baseball. There's yeah, nothing, just nothing. It should nothing. Be, 
a day like Saturday with four postseason games is should be treated more like Thanksgiving with the football games and having turkey. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get some ribs. I'm going to do some barbecuing. I'm sure I'll enjoy a nice beverage with it. I recommend that everybody else does the same thing. You just don't get days like this. Heck get yeah, the man. Excite, the excitement of four postseason baseball games in one day. I'm not moving from my couch. I, I And I don't blame you one bit. Um, and we will be we will convene after the these series uh, conclude, and we will do our championship series preview. Uh, irregardless, uh, oh, I'm sorry that I've been told multiple times it's not a word. So regardless, uh, this is uh, this has been the Romantic About Baseball podcast. My name is Adam McKinnon. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at at Adam C. Mack, A-D-A-M-C-M-A-C-K. And uh, Jim Passan Jr. is my cohort over here at Passan Jim, P-A-S-S-O-N-J-I-M. Did I say that correctly? You, you got there, yep. I got there. All right. Uh, just like the Nats bullpen, the game will yeah. end at some point. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely get out there and uh, give me a follow. Um, and uh, definitely, if you're following me, uh, talk to me. If you want something uh, that you, you're curious about, a stat that you're looking for, and something I haven't thought about, you know, use the numbers guy. All right, we'll be here.